Canada wins gold in women's hockey, the most watched hockey game in the United States this year, including the National Hockey League. That's an impressive number as we congratulate uh, Anne Renee Debian in a great tournament uh, for the Canadian goalkeeper. And uh, boy, uh, that was exciting as uh, all the goalkeepers seem to get into uh, the action on that side. Welcome to In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. A lot to get to today. We have uh, an incredible conversation coming up with Joseph Wall, uh, part of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, made his National Hockey League debut. And this is interesting because Woody actually uh, found somebody who he's never crossed paths with. And they went down the uh, the road of getting to know each other, and it ended up being a really cool, interesting discussion. Uh, that's the Sensorina feature interview. Uh, in Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com. Our gear segment today is one that just fascinates me. Every time the topic comes up and it's breaking in your glove, the do's and the don'ts and how to tweak it halfway through the process. Uh, a lot of things going on with this uh, discussion with Cam, but uh, let's get right to it, uh, Woody. Uh, Anne-Renee Debian and uh, Hutch, uh, just uh, some comments about what happened in the women's tournament. I just thought it was a fabulous performance by Anne-Renee Anne Debian. The control that she showed on the ice in all situations, her, her balance, her ability to be prepared to make that second and third save when required, not, uh, you know, as we say, going all road hockey or goalie 911 uh, too early. She uh, she just looked like she was, in, to me, um, you know, playing well above the level of, of the tournament itself. I thought it was just an incredible performance by her. And and uh, I, I must admit, boys, I didn't uh, I didn't see a whole lot of the other goaltenders in the tournament. I was really enjoying watching Anne Renee so much. But uh, just congratulations to her and all her teammates for an incredible performance. What we see in some of these tournaments is a goaltender separates themselves from the tournament. Uh, in the past, in, in the women's game, it's been pretty equal. But Anne-Renée Debian, uh, Woody, uh, like she raised her level well beyond everybody else in, in, in Beijing. Yeah, and I think the one thing that uh, jumped out to me was just technically, um, you know, uh, especially in, like, she was just, everything was so clean. And like you said, controlled. And even in scramble situations, she never looked out of control or like she was scrambling. Um, she just kind of moved so efficiently behind. Like, I mean, especially in the games against the U.S., the amount of sort of bodies that were being slammed to the net, pucks to the net, that type of mentality. Um, she just, you know, she she rarely had to go into goalie 911 mode because she stayed so composed behind it all and moved so well, even when she was on her knees. She just played such a... Just a really exceptionally clean tournament. Is that a is that a fair like? And that's praise. Yeah. That's meant completely as praise. But it was um, it was really fun to watch. It was you know what? It was a bit of a goaltending clinic. That's how I would phrase it. Like it was like watching a how to video. She was that good uh, and that clean. And it didn't you know maybe it didn't need to be as flashy. Um, she wasn't put in spots to need to be as flashy perhaps as some of the some of the goalies on other teams. Um, but like just a technical, you know, foundational, clean movement, everything just looked, she made it look easier than it was, I'm sure. Um, but it was just really fun to watch from that side of it. Yeah. I was going to say, as you were saying, she wasn't put in those spots, but you know, on her, she didn't put herself in any of those spots either. 
I don't think we got to see what she's capable of because she was capable of making it look so easy this tournament. Swagger. She she had a bit of that uh, throughout the tournament. Confidence. Uh, she just looked like she was uh, ready for for that moment and and was not going to be denied. And I I think we might have a rival or somebody that's in the same category or league as as Mark Andre Fleury when it comes to looking like you have fun out there. Like she was always smiling and she was winning a lot of games and and going good. But even when things got a little crazy, there there was a grin underneath that mask. I was actually going to say the same thing. I was going to make the same comparison because she did have it. She, you know what? She enjoyed that moment. You talk about embracing pressure moments, and that's something she's talked about with us uh, in her appearance on the Ingo Radio podcast before um, about how you handle pressure moments. And she just seemed to have fun with it. And it's something we've seen from Flower over the years and something that I think, you know, it may not be for every goalie, but it's something if you can emulate, I, I think that's, uh, that's a good sign. Uh, and on the subject of uh, Marc Andre Fleury, he went for it. He he has committed himself to scoring a goalie goal, and he went for it. Uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, got knocked down uh, more than halfway uh, to towards the net, and he ended up picking up an assist. But uh, I love the fact that uh, that he tried to lob the puck uh, down there. And more and more, uh, I think we got to keep an eye on this uh, because I don't know what's going to happen next year. But the uh, the urgency for Marc Andre Fleury to score this uh, much sought after goalie goal, uh, Hutch, is there and it's growing. It's awesome. It's awesome. The guy who has the most fun doing the thing that all of us want to do to have fun on the ice. You know, they talk about guys retiring, going out on top, win the Stanley Cup, and say, I'm done. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if he finally scored the goalie goal, just skated off the ice, and that was it? <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? And we got to quickly give give him a shout out is. Pekka, like Pekka's jerseys goes up, goes up to the rafters this week, guys. I don't want to forget that. Obviously, we had him on the podcast just a few weeks ago for people to go listen to that. But big retirement ceremony for him in Nashville. And there's a guy who kind of like we're hoping happens for Flower right towards the end of a career. Uh, he got one. Yeah, and uh, and he did it uh, wonderfully, too. Like there was that was a no doubter. Uh, the the old Pekka Rainey goal. That was, uh, you go back and, and, and watch that one. Uh, he, he converted on his opportunity. Tristan Jari is also goaltender that uh, has managed to find the net and, and never is shy about uh, taking his shot. But uh, he's, he's in the news right now for uh, a different reason. And that's, uh, that's for offering um, his comments to Brad Marchand. We, we know Brad Marchand got the six-game suspension and for punching Tristan Jari and then waving a stick at him. We, we weren't sure what really led to the encounter, and there was a lot of uh, mystery about that. Well, through the appeal by Brad Marchand, it came out uh, what exactly initiated the interaction. And it was Tristan Jari, after making a stop, said, how about that bleep and save to Brad? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, Brad went, went uh, a little bit uh, uh, out of control. Uh, it, Something tells me that it was it was said in a slightly creative way. What do you think, Hutch? I think it might have been directed pretty hard at him, eh? But it still <laughs> comes off as a little soft on Marchand's part. Um, it's a good chirp. We it's were just praising chirp. Flurry. Well, we're just praising Flurry for having fun, and isn't that really what what Jari was doing? I mean, I know it was a little bit at Marchand's expense, but come on, buds, that's that's a bit much. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. We may have been waffling on the suspension before. We we're kind of like, ah, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see a goalie get punched in the head, but six games is a little extreme. If that's what you, that's how you responded to that, like less than what a few months from 
sort of criticizing Panarin for throwing a glove at him and basically calling him soft because that's all it takes to get you riled. He like should have added to the suspension. Give him more than six just for being so soft. Well, I, I think Gary Bettman, this is my own feelings on this. I think Gary was very prepared to cut the suspension down to three and just went through the, the process of the appeal. But when he heard what set off Brad, and it was, how about that bleep and save? Gary looked at him and said, what, that, that's what set you off? Oh, no, no, you're, you're, you're getting six games. I, 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 can't, I can't lower that thing. That, that, that's the way I see that thing going down in the hearing. That would, that would be great if it was. And he just sent it right back at him. How about that bleeping suspension? Go enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be good. Uh, oh, don't re- uh, forget that Brad also uh, threw some shade at the Carolina Hurricanes for you're the reason why there's escrow. Uh, as, oh, as they were right. going back and so so there's hey, you, you can he can certainly give it and i love that he gives it uh, uh tristan jari's cool factor uh, i think it goes up through this through through this revelation hutch i think it goes up for sure and and yeah to your point as well i, I love that marshawn does it too i think both of them are adding color to the game um brings me back to something that will never happen i'm sure but i wish it would I'd love everybody on a hot mic and I would pay extra to be on that cable channel just to be able to watch and hear everything that happens on the ice. Never going to happen. It would be great to hear it all though. Speaking of cool factors and Tristan Jari guys, like if you thought his cool factor was high now after this, like I think it's going to go up when he scores a goal. Cause I think we've agreed. It's only a matter of time, right? Like we talk about flurry getting one. We talk about Renee having gotten one, you know, the next on our list, everybody talks about Mike Smith, but I look at, And we've talked about this before. Tristan Jari, who can chuck it and has already scored in the AHL. His cool factor will go up. Nadelkovic is another guy that's probably going to get a goal in the NHL. But if you want to know why Jari chucks it that well and cool factors, make sure you go to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. They've got a couple left of his pro return stick. And this thing has some serious flex. So if you want to know why Tristan chucks it, this thing's unreal. Uh, it's pro stock only. Um, so it's actually cheaper, but no warranty on the pro stock. But like, make sure you check out this week's video. Even though this week's video is not about our gear segment this week is about breaking in gloves. Part of the B-roll in the video is me sort of strolling around the store while we wait for a glove to go through the process. And one of the things I do is I grab this Tristan Jari stick and flex it a few times. And it's crazy. And so, folks, you can get this one at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Limited supplies you can also get. And again, limited supplies, they're going fast. The new True Catalyst PX stick, not a cheap stick. It's a $400 Canadian stick because it's also the lightest stick on the market. Um, stylish looking stick. They've got it in junior, intermediate, and senior sizes. It's quite an attractive twig, little gold trim on it. And literally is the lightest thing I've ever felt from a goalie stick. They call it a mid kick. I would call it a little bit of a no kick. It's a pretty stiff stick. So if you're looking for a flex point, uh, unless you're like 250 pounds loaded with muscle playing junior, uh, you're not getting, this is the antithesis of the Tristan Jari twig in terms of flexing sticks. Um, But that's what you get at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. All the options and a staff led by Cam that's able to walk you through which one is best for you. But I had to say, as we were talking cool factors and goals, Tristan Jari, make sure you check out this stick. It's not a flex point that's available at retail. 
I think the sticks, the warrior sticks for the pros are made in a different factory in Mexico than the ones the rest of us get in, in the public. And this is an option and a flex that I've just never seen before. So make sure you check it out before they're all gone. I'm actually surprised they've even got a couple left. Uh, won't be for long at thehockeyshop.com. I don't know whether there's an answer to this question, but uh, I want to get to the gear segment in a second. But I, this this is on the front of my brain right now, so I need to get get this out. If you're, is there a certain flex for a poor puck handler, somebody that doesn't shoot very well, and and a flex for uh, a good puck handler? Like if if you're a if if I have trouble shooting, do I need a stiffer flex? And if I'm a great shooter uh, of the puck, do I need a, a whippier stick or I'm just curious. Think that the personal preference there would be depend on how you shoot the stick, how you shoot. Um, like some guys are more just like, like, are you a guy that wants the stick to flex? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, it, like there's different shooters. You, you can just play shuffleboard out there and you can just launch it without having a huge bow in it. Or you can be a guy who just gives it a little, like with some of these super flexible sticks, you don't need to like wind up. You just like sort of, push that lower hand down and it bows and it just pops off for little passes as opposed to having to make more of a more of a hand motion. So I don't, I don't know that it's a good or bad. And maybe I'm not the one to say because I'm bad. But if you're playing minor hockey or men's league, uh, recreation league, uh, you're, you're that caliber of player. Would you would you do better with a whippier stick or a, a stiffer stick? I would think that most guys would probably do better with a whippier stick okay. because they can do with the whippier stick, which you, you know, which a higher skilled, stronger goaltender can do with a stiffer stick. I don't know if there's a parallel to golf clubs, Woody, but I'm so weak and small that I need graphite shafts so that I can accomplish something. Whereas a, a stronger golfer can use steel shafts. Um, but I'm not the golf guy. You are Woody. The one that that mate I also just wanted to add is is uh, it also affects how you pick up the rims and the the better goalie in this household was remarking that he was thinking of going to a stiff uh, shaft because when he's having to stop rims that are you know effectively slap shots from just outside the blue line from junior players he he feels the difference he feels it easier to to stop that rim and pick up the puck with a bit of a stiffer shaft because it doesn't give as much but so there's there's other things that we need to think about in there as well see i should have just deferred to hutch because that's the perfect answer i think he's right like a little more flex just makes it easier to do things that guys that are stronger on their sticks are able to do with a stiffer flex that's probably why i like a because i i'm weak and suck so i like something with more flex i like the e-flex for i'm dying to try this jari model and again getting a glove to the point where it uh just wraps around that uh that handle and being able to to get a good lean into it uh, is awesome and that goes to breaking your glove and having it ready to go uh that is our gear segment uh this week brought to you by the hockey shop source for sports uh surrey thehockeyshop.com woody hanging out with cam uh going through the proper way to break in your glove uh, what you should do and what you should not do please listen to them here's the gear segment with cam and woody Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports down here in Goalie Utopia, the lower floor dedicated goaltending with Cam Matwiv. You see behind us, maybe not every week because we move it around, but a lot of weeks, you see the glove wall. It actually extends further than Cam's arm, bigger than his head, which is saying a lot. There's a lot of gloves back I don't know there. if it's that big. We've got a lot of gloves in here. 
So why all the glove love? Because we'd like to get you, we'd like to help you. We'd like to show you how to get your glove. A frequently asked question around here. Broken in as well as they've broken in this glove. So Cam, walk us through the process you use to break in gloves for a new customer if they've purchased something. Or like I said, sometimes it's nice, you wanna have a model on the wall and show people how it's, you know, what that finished product is gonna feel like. This Genetic 5 is like butter. Um, what'd you do? What's the process? Help me help them break in some gloves. Okay, so a lot of cases, especially, you know, say your custom ones, some of the gloves off the wall, you know, brand to brand dependent. Anyway, you get a lot of ah, as soon as you go to go open it up, especially those younger kids, things like that. It's like there's a lot of struggling involved. You're like, okay, how can we get that glove you know, to look like that? Buttery. Step one for us. Say you're shopping in store, and this is something we can do for you guys online as well. Um, just make a request. Um, skate up. Don't try this at home. This is something. Do not try this at home. A skate oven is not the same. Glare, One like more time, hot. Giant logos everywhere. A <laughs> okay. skate oven is not the same as your mom's oven. You could wreck your gloves. For the love of God, please. So, basic, basic starting point is we do bake that glove for five minutes in our skate oven, um, which is specifically set to a temperature that's not gonna wreck the glove. That's important. A lot of the gloves, especially actually Vaughn gloves in particular, do have thermo-activated foam in the glove, specifically designed for this baking process so that it will start to imprint your hand inside the glove and also work on that closure. That's one of the best aspects of it. So, we would do that for you. Start that process in store. That, what will happen though over time, as that glove does cool down, it will start to stiffen back up again. So that can be a little bit hard because you know we're, we're kickstarting that break-in process, but it's not. This isn't going to just solve the problem 100%. So there is a little bit of DIY at home as well. For me, I'm very, very traditionalist when it comes to breaking in my gloves. I pop my glove somewhere where I'm going to put it on every every day for five minutes, sort of thing. Usually within about a week and a half to two weeks, I'm close to there. And I'm talking about you know sitting watching a hockey game opening and closing that glove over and over and over again. And that's what's really kicking starting that break-in process. It's imprinting my hand inside the glove. Um, and that's how I feel I've had the best success for it. Now, Kevin, um, he likes to do things a little bit differently yeah, as well. I, yeah, no, I, uh, I, my, my traditional technique is to just sort of wrap like a bungee or like something like, uh, you know, like, like one of the workout bands, the rubber bands, wrap it closed one day and then the next day, sort of get it wide open. I'll take one of those, like I have a butt end from a player stick that's sort of the perfect size to fit in a pocket. And so, you know, one day you're sort of establishing what it, that, that pattern closed and the next day you're establishing that pattern wide open. Correct. Now, some of the things that we have seen from that when stretching that pocket open wide is that it can break on the wrong side of the break. And this is something that I've seen commonly happen with 600 brake gloves in particular uh, on the E-Flex or an axis if it happens to be a 600 brake, is that we get a close-up of that, is that the glove wants to close on that side of the rib there. Now I do have a fix for this because we want this to overlap and actually close from the other side, bringing that finger so we can get that good seal. So, my... Ooh, pucks, do I get to throw them again at you this week? No. <laughs> Into the center of the palm with that puck, 
And then as Kevin was talking about before, in terms of taping that glove shut, we want to have that closure happen where that puck's now pushing that palm back down, helping to overlap those fingers back over top. This might take a couple times, a couple tries, even bring it into the store, baking it a couple more times, but that help, should help to restart that break back over the top and stop that half closure from happening. We see, I see this quite commonly a lot, and this isn't, I wouldn't say my like quick fix because it does take a little bit of effort to get there, but it does tend to help reset that break and get her started again. Yeah, there's like a, the break actually has like, there's a solid piece that runs through that break and then if you don't get it right, that piece can sort of sit improperly. So you want to get it pushed back in. Correct. All right. We have that happen, for example. Other, so, tri other tricks? A couple more things that do want to cover, um, especially for gloves, getting the glove relaced. Sometimes they do come quite tight from the factory, which can really hinder that break-in period for. So we do offer a relacing program. Um, it is something we do recommend as well, um, whether or not you want to do a skate lace or say regular nylon lace, things like that. You know, definitely person-to-person -person dependent. That can also help to loosen up that glove and get it set up. Um, one more note, just because we are on the topic of gloves. Say your glove is getting a little bit more worn in. You are starting to fail, you know, some pucks through it, things like that and whatnot. Quick hit. Lizard skins. Exactly. We talked about this a couple of years ago. Oh, Cam, you brought me a pair for your tiny little hands. Hey. Oh, look, they fit. Now me. this is important. They fit me too. They should be tight. They should be nice and snug. You don't want it too loose. In honor of Pekka Rene's retirement coming up in Nashville, UC Soros. Followed in Pecorine's footsteps. Exactly. Talked to him just the other week about how why he wore a quote unquote batting glove underneath his player glove. And he said just because Pekka did it. So, <laughs> uh, but they also had one uh, that they had found through one of the uh, equipment managers on the team was neighbors with an equipment manager for a major league baseball team. And they found a padded glove much like this. Um, if your glove's getting broken down and worn into the point where maybe you're starting to feel a little bit in the palm of the hand and you just feel it or, or, the surface has gotten sort of, with all through sweat, has gotten kind of slick inside there. This lizard skins glove that Cam and the hockey shop have found is a great alternative to sort of add padding, especially in the fingers and the palm, the area where we catch the most, where we feel the most of those pucks, and a great grip. Uh, we've tested this with NHL goaltenders, guys uh, on, uh, you know, in NA on NHL contracts, and they really liked it. Uh, it's a good product rather than just going to buying a straight out batting glove. Especially if you've got a glove that you love, like you love the break, it's broken in, you follow it all at cam steps, it's your favorite break, it closes like butter, but the padding's starting to wear out or that grip's starting to wear out. This can be a great refresh. And we find, especially with the, the fingertips, the extra padding on those two, the index and the middle finger, can sort of help sort of grip and get a little bit of sort of that closed hand closure. So lizard skins is something we've talked about here before. Uh, we've tested it, we've validated it. There's a reason that Cam stocks a product you wouldn't normally associate with hockey here at the hockey shop. So lizard skin gloves can really help, like I said, uh, whether you're, you're feeling stingers or your kid's feeling stingers, whether it's because of an old glove or just, you know, maybe you bought it with uh, a level of padding, you know, game ready, and you're now moved up to a, you know, where you need a pro palm, but you're waiting for it or you haven't ordered it yet. This can be a great added feature. So we've talked about how to sort of get a little extra life out of your glove with a lizard skin. We've talked about breaking them in at the beginning. We've talked about relacing them, either if they're too tight or if they start to come apart. Uh, we've talked about my way to break in a glove. We've talked about Cam's way to break in a glove. What do we got left? Well, tell you what. Maybe you comment below. Tell us how 
you break in your gloves, uh, what you find that works the best. We know there's a million different ways out there, some more successful than others, for sure. Love to get some comments going, see, uh, see what works best for you. Not a bad idea. Show us what you got. We should offer prize packs to people to go along with Woody for the recordings of the gear segment with Cam. Because there's a whole bunch of fun that's going on there. Great information. But just be able to sit there and, and watch that go down and be able to interact in the before and the after. Uh, I would love to go and hang out with you guys. I think you have to, the emphasis there is to sit there and watch. So folks that are listening on the podcast, make sure you go check out the video. There's a whole lot of extra sort of information Cam talks about, you know, especially that 600 break and how that middle section in the palm of the break can can move out of place as the glove softens up and how to sort of reestablish the, the proper break using a puck. We've got video sort of highlighting at all. You'll see the before and after of the CCM glove uh, coming out of the skate oven versus going in. I seem to remember a certain somewhat decent goalie telling us about how often he used the skate oven to get his glove ready to play. And in the words of Mr. Carey Price, it feels like you're putting your hand, what was it, in what type of butter hutch? In a warm loaf of butter. <laughs> one, of the, one of the best <laughs> phrases ever. Yeah. And it is like it is pretty remarkable when you see the video, like, you know, an off the rack, out of the box glove that hadn't been broken in at all, um, still closing. But with effort and then, you know, quick, quick spin in the in the uh, skate oven like Carey Price does comes out and it's just like bam, 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 just closes so easy. So make sure you watch the video to check that out. And I got to say, for the folks that are listening on the podcast, um, we have to have this discussion. Uh, I haven't done it myself, but I know others have. Obviously, Cam at the hockey shop has to give you the warning not to try this at home. But I know people do try this at home. We can't tell you to because we are not going to pay for the glove when you screw it up and turn the oven too high <clears throat> like Darren once did. But you can use the oven at home, according to our David Hutchison, who is, read the legal disclosure here, not responsible for anybody who tries to do this at home, but turns the temperature up too high and melts their gloves and tries to pretend it's our fault. Did I read that fast enough to be legalese? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I know. Look, we we know that a lot of our listeners are probably going to hop on Google and find out if they can do it themselves at home. And that's exactly what I did a long time ago. And I don't know if this means I'm the dumb parent of the year or the or I am the parent of the year, but I just let my kid go for it and see what happens. When we heard, I think it was on one of our in goal things where I discovered that the foams in there are heat moldable and I uh, wanted to give it a go. And uh, we've done it countless times at home with the proviso. We make sure it never is in contact with any of the metal parts of the oven because I'm worried about how well they conduct heat. And we put it on a baking sheet with like a silicone mat down one of those silicone baking mats so that none of the heat is transferred directly through to the glove there. Married to an Epicurean, and, uh, so it's called a silpat. You would know, Woody. You I, would a know. A silpat, folks. That, that, that layer there. Married to an Epicurean, what can I say? She loves to cook. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, never mind. Um, anyway, uh, but, but we've done it as part of the break-in process. We've done it, um, just to sort of keep the feel and the shape in the glove. Never had the pleasure of, uh, Mr. Price's skate oven just as he's about to hit the ice, but that would be, 
well, they've got portable skate sharpeners for everybody now. So how long is it going to be before everybody's packing around a skate oven too now? I will admit that I did it and I didn't take the top grill out and the top grill burned the, the back of the glove. And that was disappointing for a brand new glove. Uh, I did that. I did it once. It will never happen again. Uh, so, so there's that part. And just if you do like, just wait a little bit before you put your hand back in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that sounds like I, personal that, experience. Darren. Yeah, I think yeah. Darren put it in at about three fifty, didn't you? It's, it sounds logical, but it's not. You're you're taking out of the the oven, and you're really excited to to get it going, and it, that that thing gets a little warm in, in, inside. And the last one is, if you're if you're doing this to just uh, give it a tune up after you've used the glove a few times, make sure mom or your partner are not in the house when you're doing it, because the idea of you putting your glove in the oven is kind of gross to other people. So just, just there's, there's a couple of warnings if you decide to go down that path. And if you do to go down that path, nobody's responsible but yourself. Hey, let's give some love to somebody who's done videos on this and has a method that he uses and has put it online. Let's give some love to the goalie gear nerd um, who has a tutorial, I think, somewhere on his site. I don't know if that's the number one way to do it, but... Uh, if you're looking, we're we're not going to tell you to go do it, but he's got some information on on his uh, on his Instagram page, and that'll it'll sort of at least there's a process there and some guidelines, and uh, compared to what we're doing today, Woody, I don't know if you remember, but many years ago, uh, we did a factory tour for one of the manufacturers, and I remember seeing a standard kitchen oven set up in the back of the factory. And I asked what that was all about, and it was exactly about breaking in the glove. They weren't using a skate oven. I don't know if they didn't exist back back in the early days when we did this, Woody, but it was a standard kitchen oven. And then they also had sort of a mechanical device that they'd created in-house to open and close the glove as part of the regular break-in process. I can't imagine that's for every glove they make. It's probably just for the top-end pro stuff. But um, yeah. Just, just an interesting little thing that we saw there, but do be careful and don't set it at 350 like Darren. 175 we used as low as the oven will go. You're warming your glove. You're not baking it. Right. You're, you're not chicken cooking chicken fingers at the same time as as. No, and and it, by the way, Woody, it's not a microwave oven. You put it in. Don't do that. The metal eyelets won't like your microwave. What's the difference? But, oh, but wait, your Epicurean household probably doesn't own a microwave. No, no, no. The microwave is for me and the kids. Everything else is for my wife who likes to cook nice things to make us way more. Do you guys know what the difference between skate oven and a and a regular oven is? I would assume I it's just the max temperature. It probably has a oh, okay. lower lower peak temperature. I think it's probably convection as well. I think it's blowing the air in there, which Epicurean Woody can figure out why that matters. Ooh, but I'm pretty so sure now, a I, fan now I get to try my can, my wife my wife's wolf convection oven on my glove. I think that would go over well, especially if it's been used. Imagine adding that scent to the uh, to the next souffle, mm. having that air flowing around. Woohoo! That's awesome. Don't do that with an old oh, glove. I got, oh my I got my I got my twentieth wedding anniversary coming up next week, hey. boys. You guys you guys are single handedly going to prevent me from making twenty one. Uh, yeah, uh, Woody and I are going to be exchanging notes uh, all weekend about convection ovens. Uh, let's uh, let's get into our feature interview. And uh, just one more note on the Olympics. Uh, one of the best names in goaltending, Patrick Rebar of Slovakia. Uh, they win the bronze medal in the men's tournament. 
that is just uh, when when you hear that name and it's a goaltender, you think strength and just uh, like uh, just a blockade in front of uh, the net. And then I got thinking, well, rebar is good, but why not? Like wall would be way better. And that leads us into our, our feature interview by Sensorina with uh, Joseph Wall. And Sensorina uh, got some stuff going on right now, Hutch. You can't build a strong wall without a little bit of rebar. Yes. Those those two would make a great goalie they, pair at they, some point down the line, wouldn't they? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, thanks to our friends at Sensorina once again for sponsoring the feature interview, as they always do. Uh, two things I wanted to get to about Sensorina today, boys. One, just remind everybody the... Uh, the Hockey Skills Global Tour, it's in its last month. And as we've talked about before, they always put the drills out for you to practice at the beginning of the month. But then there's a week when the scores actually count. And that's this week coming up. Uh, starting Monday, February 21st through 28th is when the scores count. Get in there. It's your last chance um, to win some signed memorabilia, this time from a Czech League team. And uh, if you are at the top, you're going to be able to um, compete in the finals and for a chance to win a trip to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So just an incredible opportunity to compare yourself with other goalies around the world. Uh, everybody's on a level playing field with Sense Arena. Same shooters, same rank, same skill. Uh, just a great chance to compare yourself to everybody. So hop in on the uh, Hockey Schools Tour with Sense Arena this week. And then just wanted to finish it off, guys. We often talk about uh, how great Sensorina is for us and other goaltenders we know. But I think it's great when people write in and tell us about it. So we had a reader hop on to the review. Like we've published a review over at InGoal. You can find it. It's open even if you're not a member uh, to find out our thoughts on Sensorina. A little bit old time we updated it, I think, guys. But uh, if you get in there, one of the comments out at the end is about uh, from a beer leaguer who has been using Sensorina and he just wanted to let us know. He said, I have had Sensorina for about two months now, and I just love it. Where have you been all my life comes to mind. Old beer leaguers like me don't have goalie coaches, nor do we get a real warm-up on the ice before games. And I think that's actually a really important point, guys. If you're a minor hockey goaltender, you're a beer leaguer, you might get three, you might get five minutes. It's not like junior hockey in the NHL where you get a, a good thorough warm-up out there says, I find this an indispensable tool for warming up before games. By the time I hit the ice for my three-minute warm-up, I've already seen 150 shots at velocities higher than I'm going to see on the ice. My puck tracking, play tracking, and angles have really improved. The best endorsement I can give comes from my teammates. Quote, you're playing better now than you were two years ago. Whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. Um, so if you, uh, you want to make your game better like uh, another in-goal reader, I think you should give Sensorina a go, boys. Woody, you don't have to write Hutch. You can just tell him that stuff. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, it does say. Oh, shoot. That was Kevin. No, it wasn't Kevin. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, the, the only problem with that, Darren, is not a single guy in my beer league team would tell me I've gotten better in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I, I love it. Uh, I love the balance back and forth between the. Uh, the uh, computer generated shooters and then the actual shooters that come down that are that are uh, on on video and and it's so real uh, like you're in a rink uh the scoreboards at the back like it's it's just uh, it's so awesome the different things the box control uh everything about it and and i can't get enough of it uh and uh, uh we've got uh, a great uh a kid here that's uh that's moving into his pro career as part of our feature interview brought to you by sense arena in joseph wall who I think we've all heard of uh, uh, coming up through the ranks, 
but never really got to know until this discussion and uh, his his just ability to share with you his journey was intriguing. And I like every time I would do something, I'd walk out of the room, I'd come back and rewind it to make sure I didn't miss anything. That That's what one of these uh, this conversation was like for me, uh, Woody. Yeah, I know he was great, just open and honest, and a lot of great insights on his path to now. And I tell you what, uh, make sure you stay tuned to ingoldmag.com because we've got some pro reads coming up with Joseph as well. And, you know, I didn't know a ton about him. Like you said, I'd seen him play a few times, but I really dug into the video too, and I was really impressed. Uh, and then when I talked to him, it sort of matched. You can see how he. You know, there's an element of of reads in there, but there's a strong technical foundation that continues to grow. And he talks a lot in this interview about sort of that process and how maybe a lot of it is more towards the read side of the game. Um, and shameless plug, as you're going to hear, he's an he's an in goal member and uh, enjoys the pro reads himself. So it was nice to get him being a part of that. Uh, as he told me, I'm not sure if it was on or before we were recording or not. That you know, like that ability to sort of see other guys and how they're reading and breaking down plays is invaluable. And so I, you know, I like, uh, if it's good enough for Joseph wool, yeah, it's good enough for, uh, everybody else. So, uh, make sure you check out pro reads. He'll be in there next week. And I, I, as you guys just heard, I may have screwed this up during the interview, but cause you guys were talking about rebar and wall and it's wool, but I even clarified with that with him before. And then I'm sure like everybody does as we were talking, I probably slipped back into wall as opposed to wool. So it's, there's a little I do. more. Yeah, I do. It's okay though, because it's such a perfect goalie name. Yeah, I, I see it and I know it's uh, wall, and I still say wall. I just, uh, it, uh, I apologize, Joseph, but, uh, but I, I commend you for uh, your, your openness and especially about reading the game. That's just a skill set that we uh, don't pay enough attention to nobody pays enough attention to uh, because uh, it's all about uh, things like the panda and the butt scratch uh, which is uh, is really is really cool okay hold but, on uh, okay hold on. Yeah. Now, i know we gotta get like and we don't want to we've teased this interview long enough but quick note on the panda because i got some notes from some goalie coaches uh at very high levels some that have worked in the national hockey league some that are played in the national hockey league about working to integrate the Panda as a sharp angle, specific situation, post-save alternative, and some really nice notes shared um, you know, from them uh, to us. And, and so thanks again to Thomas Spear and Jordan Sigalette and Dustin Wolf for sort of helping walk us through that new approach to a dead angle technique. It's, uh, it's getting some traction around the, the hockey world, boys. Uh, a new way to uh, shut down the opposition, uh, a wall with... Wool. Here is the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina in Goal Radio, presented by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Really excited to welcome to the program Joseph Wall, who made his NHL debut this year, has a long history representing the United States uh, at various international competitions, World Juniors included. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs recently signed a contract extension with the Leafs. A lot of exciting things going on this year. Uh, we don't really know each other. Like we haven't had a chance to have this conversation before, Joseph. So I feel like this is going to be a get to know you session for me and for all of our audience. I know they're excited to hear it. So let's start with where you're at now. Um, excitement over the extension and how this year is gone. Your first taste in the NHL. Like, are you soaking this all in? 
or does it feel like a bit of a whirlwind at times? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, uh, thank you for having me on. Um, been a big fan of Engel for, for a long time. So it's pretty cool to get, get to sit here and, and talk with you. Um, yeah, this year's been uh, a bit of a roller coaster. Tr- truthfully, it feels like the first couple of years of my, my pro career have been pretty crazy. My first year being uh, when COVID first came out and then going into the bubble and then last year starting in, in December. And um, we really haven't had a, a full year um, in my pro career so far that's, that's been normal. Um, and I think uh, it's actually worked out in, to my advantage in a way that I, I've gotten some pretty cool experiences out of it and you know had some awesome experiences with, with the Leafs early on and just being able to learn and, and take all that stuff in uh, was really important for me. So yeah, I think this year, especially, I, I feel like for the, for the first time, maybe in, in these three years, I've kind of started to, to find, you know, the best version of my game um, and, and being able to take all this information in. Uh, it feels like I'm kind of able to, to sort through it and, and figure out the, the things that are most important uh, for my game. And I feel like that's where, you know, I've had success this year at, uh, at different times. And I feel like that's, um, more so the way that, I, that I'm feeling out there is I'm just allowing myself to, to bring, I guess, uh, the best qualities of my game forward. Well, the beauty of the Ingle radio podcast and the Ingle magazine audience, as you know, as a, as a member that, uh, it's all goalies. So if you're not a goalie, it doesn't matter, but if you are a goalie, we're going to ask. So a little, can you give us some details on what some of those things are that you've sort of figured out and, you know, when to, to, to add to your game for starters and when to add them? Like, what's that process been like? Is it largely mentored? Or is it the coaches helping you? Or is there a lot of stuff where you've got to figure it out on your own too, like with their guidance? Yeah, I think definitely early on, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to work with John Elkin and, and Stevie Breer pretty much from the start uh, of being here. Um, and they're both very, very knowledgeable people when it comes to, you know, the technical aspect of goaltending and the mental part of it. Um, and truthfully, it just felt like when I got here, I was kind of opened up to things that I, I'd never really thought about as being important. Or it feels like, you know, throughout my career, I, I had played more relying on my athleticism to, to make saves and not so much as understanding the importance of you know, managing my depth and, and being patient and, and in, and in learning that, uh, it feels like that I allow my athleticism to, to come out more as opposed to relying on it. Um, where, where that's where I would say is, is one of the strengths of my game. It feels like it can be used appropriately and not, not resorted to as much. And I really would say that's the big, biggest technical thing is just kind of reeling it in a bit. <laughs> okay. okay so almost almost not even tactical is more tactical like in terms of not being aggressive or are we talking mm-hmm. mostly off the rush joseph or even on end zone are you are you finding yeah. yourself playing a more conservative positional game i think that more so just the importance of the ability to read the game um was brought to my attention you know very quickly here and i think that you know as you see goalies every goalie has a little bit of a different style um, every goalie plays a little bit differently, uh, <laughs> on the rush or end zone or what they're doing on the post. And, you know, every goalie has a little bit different depth and, and what they feel comfortable with. But, you know, when you're trying to find, you know, the similarities of goalies that have success and play at an NHL level and, you know, the best in the world, 
I think there are some things that are similar, right? Like their ability to read, read the play and let the play come to them and, and trust themselves in that. And I think consistency as well is, is a really big thing. And uh, I think those things were brought to my attention more, um, more than ever before. And then obviously there's a lot of, you know, small little tweaks technically that, that we've worked on and in terms of hand position, stick position and working on staying bigger in my stance and, you know, how you're playing certain situations. But I would say the overarching theme is having that ability to read the play and trust yourself to be able to read the play. And, and in that, I feel like I can play, you know, a little, not necessarily that I'm not being aggressive and always staying in my, you know, staying back and retreating. And I think it's more just, you know, having the patience to be able to get out and trust yourself that you can get to these different spots and understand the different options. And, and then that's when I can allow my athleticism to kind of, you know, come out of the, out of hiding. So when you say reading the play, obviously that part of that becomes experience-based, especially as a, as a young pro, right? Like first taste of the American Hockey League and at a time when it was tough to get settled because as you said, your first year pro, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of starts and stops for the past couple of seasons. Is there a way, and obviously we're biased here, it's what we're trying to do with pro reads at Ingle Mag is show young kids just how much information you guys process in real time at the high level, understanding you needed to sort of do that differently or, or more re- or trust your reads. Is there a way to learn it? Like, like, was it video work, constant reinforcement? Is it stuff you're doing on your own watching film? Like, I guess the big question I should have just asked at the beginning here is how do you get better at reading the game? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, and like you mentioned, I really do think it's, it's not one specific thing. And truthfully, I feel like with, with goaltending, there's not one specific thing that's going to get you there, right? There's a whole bucket and it's a whole variety of different things you're able to work on and, and how you're able to grow on and off the ice. So I think in terms of reading the game, like, yes, obviously experience is, is probably the best teacher um, being able to just have games and, and see what happens within a game. It's, it's hard to replicate that exactly in any other situation, but then, you know, trying to do drills on the ice that, that always have an aspect of reading the play um, as opposed to, you, you know, it, it, you know, exactly what's going to happen. You know, exactly your depth. Like there's no options for the guy. He's just coming down and there's one option. Um, so I think being able to add that in develops that patience and ability to read and, and trying to let the game come to you rather than trying to, you know, force a save or, or force things to happen. I was going to say, it's the easiest thing to say, let it come to you. But sometimes it's the hardest thing to do, especially at that level, have the patience, right? Right. And I like, yeah, there's, I think video is important being able to, you know, watch what other guys are doing and just to, to understand that there's more than one way to play things as well, that I don't believe that there's one way that's right. If you look at all the clothes in the league, everyone's a little bit different. And that's the beauty of it. Um, so yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of different ways. And, you know, ultimately I think we gravitate, gravitate towards things that we feel help us more. And I, I think that's one thing I've really learned in, you know, kind of my, my pro career so far is that everyone is a little bit different and no one's mind is the same. No one's style of play is the same. And 
I always fell into the trap of, you know, like imitation of trying, like thinking if I did this like him, well, then I'd like, that would be good. Then, then you, then you're set. But I think being able to understand that, like as a person, you're, you're unique and the way you think and the way you react and your instincts are all different from the next person. Um, and that's an awesome thing. And I think being able to embrace, you know, your differences and, and, and how you are and how you play um, is pretty cool. And then it's finding the best version of that. And then that's where I think that you ultimately will find you know, success or, or consistency or whatever you're looking for. <laughs> It's funny because I was gonna I was gonna say we gotta clip the part where you say you you know you're a longtime In Goal magazine fan, uh, but I gotta clip that last answer because you just basically summed up why I love this position and covering it this way is because there is no one way to do this, eh? Like it's that individual nature. Every guy has a different formula. Sometimes, as a young pro or as you move around from team to team, whether it's junior or organizations or just coaching staff changes. Um, you can get voices that are insistent that it's this way or one way. Or, like you said, imitation, you get a bunch of different voices and you feel like you want to please them. It sounds like you're in a pretty good nurturing environment in terms of, it sounds like they're encouraging you to find those things and they're helping you find all those individual pieces and fit them together rather than trying to shove Joseph Wall into a predetermined box they have. Yeah, and I think that's been you know, really what I've felt, especially over or especially more recently, I think early on, there were definitely things that I had to learn. And there were different technical parts of the game and different tactical parts and reads and stuff that I needed to, to get reps at and needed to learn, you know, how to handle these situations when I'm faced with them. But, um, you know, I've mentioned John Elkin and, and Stevie Rare, and now we have uh, Hannah Toivonen as our goalie coach. And he, he's been awesome. He, his philosophy is very much just be the, be the best you. Like, there's no there's no one way. And, um, you know, it's something, you know, I've, I've always felt with all the goalie coaches here is that, uh, no one's really trying to make you a certain way. It's, they're just trying to bring out what's in you. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes parts of that need a little reeling in and get under control, but yeah, I think, you know, ultimately no two goalies are the same and that's the beauty of, of the position. It's the beauty of hockey. Like <laughs> everyone's a little bit different. Um, and I think, you, know, you do yourself, uh, you do the world a disservice if you're trying to be someone else. Well, you talked about imitation, um, and I think it's human nature, especially as goalies. I mean, we've seen it um, over the years where sometimes guys will just inadvertently watching their playing partner over the course of a season start to pick up habits, sometimes not even on purpose, and sometimes not always positive. Um, who were, let, let's reel it back a little bit. How did Joseph Wall fall in love with goaltending, and who were the early guys? You know, growing up in St. Louis, where we've seen some guys have success, but it's not a long list. Um, some good goalies certainly coming out of St. Louis, but who was the one that was your inspiration early on that you first imitated, and what age did we get started? I think I first started playing uh, like full year, year-round goaltending, uh, maybe at like eight. Uh, I want to say like between seven and nine, somewhere in that window. But yeah, I was... Uh, I was a forward for, for the first few years and every time we need to I need a sub to come play goalie, I would always love and try to volunteer. I think the first thing I loved was the gear and um, it's probably a common common theme of a lot of goalies. But yeah, I started out then and funny enough, I think the first goalie I actually started to really love was Nikolai Hobby Bulin uh, back in the day. Um, but then I slowly started to really like Carey Price and I think 
I would say he's been consistently my favorite guy that I've I've looked up to for a, a long time. And I would say he's probably the first guy I would say that I tried to imitate. <laughs> I think I was probably too young to try to imitate Javi Bullen, but once I started to like Price, it was more in that stage of getting a little more serious about it and um, you know, going to like goalie training and different stuff like that. Uh, often imitated, um, not a bad sort of guy to, you know, sort of model your game after. What were some of the early influences you talk about? Like, when did you get your first goalie coach? Who were some of those early influences growing up in St. Louis? Um, I, I seem to recall, like, it, it was the Racine Goalie Academy a part of your path there as well? And yeah, okay, I'm glad I'm right. But so, some of the early influences and, and sort of how you evolved. I love that you played forward and played out for so long because, you know, it feels like that can sometimes be an advantage when we talk about reading the game and, and seeing those patterns. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big thing is just making sure that you're able to skate too, uh, before right. you start playing goalie. I think a lot of people can hop in too soon and it's, it's a tough, uh, you know, thing you got to manage where if someone wants to play goalie so bad, you're not keeping them from doing what they want to do. But it's also, I think important when you're young to emphasize skating, because that's, you know, obviously a big part of, of the game. Um, and like you said, yeah, Bruce, Bruce, I would say Bruce Racine um, was definitely my earliest and biggest influence. I would say growing up um, when I first started going to training with him and then, you know, I've worked with him for, for years now. Um, and it was pretty cool when, uh, when I was younger, we had some, some good goalies and Luke Opelka was, was unbelievable um, back when we were, you know, playing uh, junior hockey and stuff. And we did, we had a really good crew of guys. Um, so it was really fun to, you know, go in there and see a lot of really good goalies. And uh, yeah, Bruce was definitely a, a huge influence for me. He's a, he's a, you know, great person and um, was just someone that, you know, made it enjoyable to come and do some work on the ice and was, you know, as good of a person on and off the ice. Well, we won't hold it against him because sometimes I, I know he employs or, or maybe he's just pretending to be employed by Bruce. Um, Mr. Mr. Van Gate, have you had any, uh, ha have you had the pleasure of the legend himself, KVG, trying to instill the wisdom of beer leagues upon you? <laughs> I you have, just put the yeah. earplugs in? Yeah, he's, uh, he's around the rink a lot. So I, I end up seeing him a pretty good amount. Um, actually, I think this past summer, he let me come on and rip around a little bit during one of the, some of his lesson heists and um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, I know he has the, the Kane Van Gate thing going, but I, I knew him before that really all started. He, uh, he actually used to be at, at a high school that I, I was considering going to. And, um, before that, that all started, yeah, he's a, he's a really good guy as well. And him and Bruce have a, a pretty good relationship over the years. So. Yeah, so I never, I never know where to like, cause I know the persona, the online, I know the real name, I won't say it, but I also know that like, as much as he makes jokes about beer league, we like to poke fun and we go back and forth. The reality is he was also a really good goaltender, like was one of the goalies on the roster at Bowling Green at one point, played yeah. with some big names and has done some good things as a coach. So we want to chirp him, but also recognize that there's a behind the uh, alter yeah. ego. There's a real good goalie and goalie person there. Um, any other influences? Like we know, like I know obviously St. Louis and I don't want to pigeonhole this, but you know, just from that area, guys like Mike McKenna and Ben Bishop and guys who have, you know, gone on and done great things as pros, were there ever any run-ins, like, I mean, encounters where they helped you along the way or where they became an inspiration to you? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you, when you go through it, I feel like I'm always going to leave someone out. Uh, I could, I could go on for, you know, a day. 
trying to list, uh, you know, all the people that have, that have had a positive influence on me. Um, I would say I was very lucky too. And that when I was growing up playing hockey in St. Louis, we had a lot of ex NHL players come back and coach. So guys like Keith Kachuk and Jeff Brown, Al McKennis, uh, heard of them. Like, yeah, all, all these guys. Uh, and that was right around my age group. So we, we got very, very lucky. Um, that the, I guess like 96 to 99 birth year, maybe like that little pocket was so good in St. Louis. Um, and we still have really, I think that really kind of jumpstarted some growth and, and hockey in St. Louis, but, um, definitely right around my age group was, uh, you know, some special players and obviously special coaches. Um, and I think that really helped, helped to influence me early on. And then you mentioned Mike McKenna. He uh, he also has a good relationship with Bruce, so he uh, he would come out in the summers and stuff and rip some pucks on us. Um, trying to think, yeah, I, I met uh, I met Bish when I was younger. I, I've never had a real relationship with him. I think I've just been able to you know kind of meet him over the years and stuff, and um, seems like a really great guy as well. So yeah, I think you know all these people that come back to St. Louis, it's uh, all positive and. It, couldn't take enough time to, to name all the people. Well, that have- we, we put you on the spot, so we'll make sure if anybody was missed, that wasn't Joseph's fault. We put him on the spot and threw a whole <laughs> yeah. bunch of names on him. Um, from, there, from there, it's on to the national, U.S. national team development program. Mm-hmm. Um, that decision uh, influences and how'd you grow? You talked about this year and the past couple of years making tactical and technical adjustments. You know, as you hit this age group, what was some of the biggest things that started to evolve and change in your game, you know, when you were at uh, US NTTV? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um, yeah, when I, I guess when I first heard of it, uh, it was probably through Luke Opilk, actually, because he was a year older and that was something he was pursuing and then he ended up making the team. So I think as soon as I heard about it, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. Um, and as soon as I got, you know, offered the opportunity to, to play there, it was a no brainer for me and um, definitely hard, uh, hard leaving home at that age. But, you know, I had full support from, from my family and my friends and the, the family I stayed with is still, we still have a very good relationship with them. I, I call them my family now. Um, so I think that really helped too, that, you know, I, I developed almost a second family, so it it didn't feel like I was off on my own. I, you know, they have two uh, two sons, so I feel like they're my brothers now, and I think that really helped out. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Well, so you start I, you start U seventeen there, and you go U eighteen, and like I was going to ask you for like the biggest memory, but I feel like that would be asking you for the people you met in St. Louis. Like there is a deep list of international events that you played in and had an opportunity right up to World Junior Championships, obviously, but like four nations in, in Switzerland and, you know, five nations in Russia. Like what an incredible opportunity. Yeah. The, the trip to Switzerland was pretty special. Uh, we stayed like pretty much on the side of a mountain you look out your window and, and I, I love mountains. It's beautiful. Eh? It's beautiful. Oh, oh, it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I really don't think I could pinpoint a single memory. Um, I think it was, you know, accumulation of a lot of, you know, small, really great memories that, that make it, you know, such a great time in my life. Um, and it's a, it's a special situation that you're thrown into, I think there. Um, and for a lot of guys, it's kind of the first step in, you know, realizing that hockey could, 
be taken, you know, seriously. Like, uh, for the first time I, I actually could see myself playing like college hockey or something. And I think that's a hump you have to get over is, is the belief you have. And, um, you know, for me, at least that was kind of the first, first time I realized like, Hey, like I, I think I could probably play college hockey. Like, be pretty sweet yeah okay so by the time you finish with the u.s national team development program which is easier to say than the abbreviation by the way um you're drafted in the third round by the toronto maple leafs i gotta think that did a lot for the belief like what where in that process you talk about hey i could play college hockey Mm -hmm. when did what you're doing now become something that like hey like this is something i can do as a career yeah i think it's always interesting like uh, everyone always has the dream when they're younger. Um, of course. When the dream slowly shifts into being possible reality, it's uh, it's weird. <laughs> it, it's awesome, but it's it's weird. Uh, so I think you know, it was slowly understanding, like, hey, like I think I could play college hockey, and then, hey, like I think I could maybe go past college, and I I think I could see that. And I think you know, sometimes even even when you're in the, that spot, you may not have the full belief. Like it still feels a little weird then i think everyone probably has experienced feeling uh like they don't belong in a sense or, or something and i think that's that's very important is understanding that, that you, do be- you do belong <laughs> um and i think that's uh that's a big hump at least i know that i've i've had to to get over in the past um but it, you know once you get over that it's it's very freeing i think so off to Boston College after after getting drafted. Actually, first, what was your memories? I mean, draft was in Buffalo that year, so um, we didn't they didn't pick a picturesque necessarily. Like we didn't have mountains in the background like Switzerland for your draft year. But what do you remember of that experience? Family there, lots of friends. What was? Yeah, I'm assuming you attended if you expected to be picked that high. Yeah, yeah, my uh, my family and my billet family actually were there. Um, awesome. So very special, obviously, and. Funny enough, that's uh, that was where I made my my debut. So it was kind of funny coming full circle back to Buffalo uh, and had my build family there again. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a pretty pretty sweet experience. And actually, that year too, we had five guys from St. Louis and my age group get drafted in the first round, which was insane. So pretty uh, pretty special year for St. Louis as well. So it was a pretty pretty cool draft. Pretty cool draft party too, I'm imagining. That's awesome. Um, so I want to get to that debut because I feel like I've sort of left the big moment for the end here because that the, w- what that must be like emotionally and managing all that. But I don't want to skip Boston College because the path to here, you know, you spend um, three full seasons at BC, some of the influences there. Uh, hopefully yeah. I don't put my foot in my mouth here. I want to say Mike Ayers is the goalie coach at the time there. So, you know, and following... You would have been coming what right after Thatcher Demko, like in terms of or yeah. in that window, like it's a pretty rich yeah, tradition had, there. Uh, we had a pretty good string of goalies. We had uh, Demmer, and then I came in right after him, and then Nider came in right after me. So we had uh, a nice little string of goalies. Goalies. At well, and, and here in Vancouver, as soon as they drafted Demko, I mean, all the comparisons went to Corey Schneider. So just a strong history mm-hmm. in general of great goaltending. Yeah. What's it uh, like to be part of that? You feel pressure? Yeah, I, th- I think naturally you feel feel a little bit of, of pressure in, in that situation, especially because they were so good that that year. Like they made it to the Frozen Four, I believe. Like they had such a good team, um, and then you know you come into a place with that much history and um, you know history of success and, and winning and all that. And it's yeah, it's definitely uh, 
a little daunting at first, but I think ultimately like I, I want to write my own story and um, do my own thing. So it was, uh, you know, it was just cool to be able to be a part of that, I think. And yeah, you mentioned Mike Ayers and I don't want to leave Kevin Ryder out because he was, uh, he was a goalie coach at, at, at the U S program. Um, and it's like, I, I could never say how, how fortunate I am to, to have been with all these, all these people, Bruce being kind of the first person to introduce me to, you know, technique and, you know, sharpening my game up a little bit. And then Kevin, um, took that to a whole nother level, uh, technically. And I think he really set a lot of, a lot of foundation. And then, um, Arzy is just a, a tremendous guy, like just an awesome guy to be around and, um, you know, really helped to, to dial in some of those details and, you know, ultimately just wanted me to play as the, as the best version of me. So I think I've, I've taken some really great things from, from all these different people. And, um, yeah, it's just, I feel very lucky to have, have all, all of them in my life. Well, I want to ask you actually for some technical details on Kevin Ryder, a name I've heard a lot of great things about from a coaching perspective, but not, not at the, not to dismiss any of the other ones, but just cause you mentioned technique specifically there, but it sounds like, like there's the lesson here as you get all these different voices is to be conscientiously looking to take things away from each one, find things that you can add as a positive to your game and to your experiences as opposed to, because that can be tough as you, you know, you get settled and comfortable with one and now you got a different voice telling you to maybe do something a little differently. Not everybody adapts well to that. Yeah, I, I think that's where I feel really lucky is that throughout this whole journey, uh, no one's ever really tried to change, you know, kind of the core of, of my game and, and who I am. So I think everyone's just always tried to amplify that and, and bring out the best in what's there. Um, and, you know, whether, whether I'm saying I took, you know, technical things or it's hard to like, it's really hard to label something I've taken. Because, right. You know, you spend years with these people and there's so much that they, they teach you. And probably the best thing is just developing a relationship. Like, further take it further than hockey i'm um, just having these these awesome people that i've been able to to meet and, and have good relationships with what were some of the but like so give me one example with kevin of something that evolved while you were with the the national development team program like that yeah. maybe wasn't in your game or was raw in your game that you changed and we hear a lot about post play and things like that right now is there anything that jumps out as like hey i added that here and that's exactly. always going to be a staple yeah. Yeah, he uh, he was dialed in on the post play. So we, I was and I was there with uh, Jake Ottinger as well. So we we got our post play really <laughs> really dialed in. Um, I actually remember the the summer before going to BC. Uh, I would always go uh, like skate on post, and I wanted to to adjust and try to go the toe ties just to get some more coverage. I actually, since we played the international games and played sweet and stuff like that all the time there's this guy uh and we're playing against him now philip gustafson uh with ottawa yep. and he was he was the goalie we played and he was so smooth at at the reverse and i remember me and ottawa would always <laughs> watch him and just uh talk about like how how silky and smooth the swedes always are with their post play um so the summer before bc i wanted to add that into my game uh so we spent a pretty good amount of time uh, just working on toe tie and lucky enough, by the time I got to BC, it was uh, something that, you know, felt really natural. And I think that's one of the really strong areas of my game now. 
So no, so I gotta ask, like, give me, give me some, like, how, is it just reps? Like, what's the key to sort of getting to be? Because again, we know skate on post has limitations, right? There leaves a gap. For years, we were seeing sort of short side, you know, goals go in in that gap. It can be a tough area to get caught in, and yet going toe tie or toe box on post with the skate slightly inside, like the margin for error there, like it, it's a pretty precise movement. We know, yeah. I'm guessing, repetition would be a big part of it. What about mm. setup? Like, what about how you set up your skates and, and the gap between your, your, the bottom of your pad, your sort of, your toe tie? Like, what, have you, did you have to modify anything? We had, we had, we had, speaking of Boston College, we had Demko on in, you know, before the season started and he had a very precise, like, based on the diameter of the post, how long his toe tie should be. So was that part of your process of figuring it out? And where are you at now with the toe tie gaps? I can't believe I'm asking this much about toe ties. Yeah, no. So I, I think one thing quickly, like now I've kind of gotten into, I do it all now. I don't strictly go into one or the other. Like I think there's a, a situation for a toe tie. I think there's a situation for the skate. I think there's a situation overlap and I think there's a situation to go post. Like I think like for a lot of years you're trying to like find like a one size fits all. And I don't necessarily know if that's, you, I think that whatever you do, you, it's a pro and a con. Like you're giving something up to, to have something else. And well, and the other thing fine. is I remember Freddie and I, I, I sense this might come from Steve Breer a little bit too. Cause I remember Breer and Freddie, like, even if there was a perfect way for a certain situation, the reality of the dynamic nature of the game is you're not always going to hit your spot perfectly. And so how do yep. you adapt to be able to move out of the other options? Right. So I think it's good to have all of them in your toolbox. I do believe that there's a, a time that's right for each of them. Um, and then moving from like the skate to the toe ties, I actually think it's easier to hit the toe ties because I think that hitting the skate is such a small margin for error. Cause if you hit too much on the toe, then you don't have like, it, right. If you hit too much on the toe, then you miss it. And if you hit too much in the mid blade, then you don't have like the leverage to be able to, to open up and close it off. So I think it's like a very, very small margin. There's a sweet, there's a sweet spot for there's, to go yeah, skate blade on post. Spot. And then okay. when I went to toe ties, uh, <laughs> I've made the slack in my skate very loose like my it's got to be like that like it's good that's gonna work i don't know if that's gonna work for our podcast audience. we <laughs> yeah. might have to we might have to clip you holding your fingers apart it looks like four inches four inches like yeah. you're not quite mike con not quite mike con in length when he was yeah. with montreal and ottawa but pretty long yeah no it's it's uh iphone max like a little bit maybe just a little smaller than the iphone <laughs> a lot of a lot of slack though um and i find that when I do that, that's a pretty big sweet spot. Like you're almost yep. you're anywhere over there. You just you're right on it. Like you latch on it. Um, yeah, and I, I I don't necessarily always use that though anymore. But I, I've kept the outside slack though. Okay, I I love that, and I love the fact that you have to diversify your options. I guess you as we've throughout this conversation, there's no one way to skin this. Mm-hmm. I got to ask though, what's like, you've switched equipment companies recently. You're in the Bauer now. When you yeah. talk about toe ties in that gap, are you just using like a skate lace or are you using, like we've seen like this evolution of elastic and, and mm-hmm. sort of bungee type products. And yet when it comes to the precision of moving in and off the post, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things we've talked about at Ingle is that like, 
if you're going toe tie on the post and you're pushing off and there's give and elasticity to that toe tie, does it cost you some of that push? So I'm curious, curious where you're on at on that and what type of material you're using. I've, yeah, I've always just used skate lace. Um, truthfully, it's just cause of what comes on the pad. <laughs> and so I, I just kind of keep, keep it going. I've never tried the, the elastic. Um, I know some guys like it because they feel it takes a little pressure off their knees. Um, yep. but I, I mean, I have so much slack that, there's no pressure it, anyways. Does that in itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a big thing that I've fallen into the imitation thing too, is like, oh, he's got this much. I need to have that <laughs> to be good, you know? And it's, uh, it's totally whatever makes you feel most comfortable. Like if you, if you feel like there's not enough and it's hard to hit the post, then add some. And if you feel like you have too much slack and it's messing you up, then take some off. Like, it's uh it's so easy to fall in that like trap of like trying to be so specific with it but it's just like i don't use a bootstrap some other guy does because he likes how it feels like it's it's completely based off of what you like and what makes you most comfortable out there i, I really believe love it love it um not to dwell too long on gear but there's a whole bunch of goalie listening to this that are geeking out on this so i gotta ask like that switch, like um, that's a big switch to, to the Bauer product. You're in the Hyperlite now. Uh, what did you notice right away? What took some adjustment time? What do you like about uh, wearing the Bauer product now? Yeah, well, I think I'm mean, asked. So I used Vaughn my whole life. Right. I think my first pair of pads was Brian's, then I had a pair of TPS, and then I have Vaughn. And since then, I've worn Vaughn my whole life. And which is, which is why I had to ask because we were kind yeah. of surprised. And it's it's nothing. Um, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with their gear. Like I, I love their gear and I love the people that I've, I've worked with there. And yeah, I think I just was kind of looking at maybe changing something up. I've been wearing it my whole life and wanted to explore, uh, you know, some other stuff. And I actually started the year using true. Um, but the pads ended up being like a little, little too big, didn't fit quite right. And I had a pair of Bauer demos that they had sent me from the summer. And I was like, Oh, give these a shot. And I actually ended up really liking them. Um, and again, it's uh, it completely based off of feel and whatever you like. I just found that um, I just feel a little bit lighter moving. Uh, they just they, they feel solid. They hit and they're smooth. Um, and I think the biggest thing I like is the glove more so than anything. The the glove is like a magnet. Like it's unbelievable. So I think uh, I really loved the glove, and then I wore all the other stuff and liked it as well. And just uh, kind of went from there, and then here I am wearing power. So, do you know if it's a stock hyperlite glove? There's a new uh, like the mock. The mock, yeah. Okay, one? so it's a yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I so think the, it. I just that was very recent. I just switched to that before I had used uh, like the two S or the three S, the, the Supreme glove. So yeah, so a Supreme glove, sort of, sort of like sort of style six hundred break type of yeah. just that that yeah. type of break. Yeah, so That's that totally would make man. sense. They just came out with this new glove, so I've been yeah. using that, and it's it's yeah. very similar. It's the yeah. back of it's a little, a little better, like how you how your hand fits in it. But. Yeah, yeah, I've I've had we've I, I I'm sworn to secrecy, no pictures and all that kind of stuff, but I've had one on and seen it, and it's a nice product. Um, did you notice a difference? We got to ask this because we do all these reviews. Like, did you notice a difference in the rebounds or the sliding? A couple of things that Bauer sort of has become synonymous with, maybe, and actually everyone else is playing has sort of tried to follow i think so it's an area where i think maybe the gap has shrunk but an area where especially on rebounds i think 
You know, there's, there's, they're just, they're, it's a little different. Yeah, definitely different coming from Vaughn. Um, you know, Vaughn, it's just very different material they use. Like the Bowers right. film springy, the Vaughns are a little more traditional feel of a, right. of a pad. Um, I don't think that I liked them necessarily for any reason of how the puck hits. I, it's just I, I mean, feel. I don't even know which one I'd prefer. Uh, if I'd rather have the rebound next to me or if I'd rather shoot it out. I always hear people saying like, oh, I like these because it keeps the rebound close. I don't even truthfully know which I would prefer. It's like, I just, this one shoots the rebound. So I know it shoots the rebound. So I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to get there. Um, it's not like you've had to adjust your game based on that. You're just, you like the feel of the product and that's why you stick with yeah, it. Yeah, I think I just really like the feel of them. I, I like how, how I feel moving. I think it was the biggest thing is that I, I feel like I can move quick and smooth. Um, and it j- just felt like it, it fit fit my game i guess um no back, I, to, back to the feel it's just whatever all about the feel that makes you you know feel like you get the best chance to stop the puck and it's also nice when you're a pro and you have all these options you get to try yeah, exactly. eh? like it is eight-year-old joseph walls looking at this yeah. all this gear to chest out and he's loving it Man, you should have seen my basement this summer i had i was doing all the demo stuff so i had like a set of bowers and trues and vons and my old pads like it was hilarious <laughs> They're goalie gear nerds dream. You've got like all like our listeners are just drooling right now as they're <laughs> listening to this interview. They're like, I'd go to the rink and be like, which one do I want to wear today? <laughs> is, I mean, but it's like fun. as much as like, you know, whether it's based on performance or just based on feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to go Ichiro Suzuki, you know, the famous Mariners hitter who kept his bats in a, in a humidor. I don't know that we need to go to that level, but you probably yeah. do need, you know, whether it's feel or, you know, you need to sort of be in tune with your equipment. It matters at this level. Fine details can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I would like, obviously you don't want any performance issues from it. Like if, if you can't catch the puck in the glove, like maybe try a different glove or <laughs> try to get better catching the puck. But <laughs> yeah, I would say if, if there's a, like a fatal flaw in the gear you're using. Yeah. I think maybe look at doing something else, but I mean, all the gear now is so good that um, I really feel like it's all, all about feel, right? Because they make softer pads, they make stiffer pads. I don't think one's necessarily better than the other. It's just what, what you'd prefer and what feels like fits your game more. Isn't, isn't that the beauty, though? We have more options than ever before and unique, exactly. just yeah. like different goaltenders. Okay, I want to get to Buffalo and NHL debut, but I do have one more because it's me. Um, USA Hockey, you talked on, you know, you talked about Jake and your time uh, with the development program bit of a union there like how much pride like i mentioned demco and we see gibbs like the rise of usa hockey and goaltending i know about the 51 and 30 program like is there a a camaraderie you know maybe not amongst the whole group but it feels like they've built something here where you guys are in touch with each other um Mm -hmm. maybe more regularly than than other nations are as a goalie union the separate little niche of the goalie the u.s department of the goalie union yeah no i it's been awesome for USA hockey seeing, you know, the goalies that have, have come out of the U S the past few years. And, um, you know, I think it's really a testament to, you know, what USA hockey has been doing. Like we've had the, the Stralo goaltending camps that I grew up with, which were awesome being able to you know, be out there with guys that were older than me and younger than me and just see all the up and coming guys that now are stars in the NHL. Um, and, you know, just getting those relationships started and, 
Do you have any that stand out? Like any that you stay in touch with or anybody that helped you along the way reaching out at any point in your career based on having met them at Strela? Again, it's really hard to pick one because There's like you're with, you're with a few age groups and I got to meet like all the goalies, all the 99 birth years and all the 97 birth years. And just, it's just awesome to be around all of them and have a week dedicated to just getting to know each other, playing hockey and doing some fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that's been awesome. And then, you know, obviously just international tournaments and all this stuff with USA hockey is, has been great. Um, I would say like definitely the goal I have the best relationship with would be, uh, Otter just because we spent, spent two years at the program together and then both played in Boston for three years, which was awesome. So we got, got to be teammates and then went to playing against each other and then playing against each other in the American league. So just waiting on playing against each other in the National League. He, uh, he looks like he's there to stay. So I guess that, that one's on me to, to get that, fill that. So, um, but no, I, it's awesome seeing, uh, especially all the, all the goalies in, in USA hockey being so successful. And then, you know, especially Otter, just because of, you know, the relationship we have. And um, it's really cool to see him, you know, doing so well. Perfect segue. Talking about getting to the National Hockey League, you get there this year, first game in Buffalo. Um, yeah. What, I mean, how do you, like, I just can't even imagine, right? Like, this is part of your life and a career path. And so you've trained yourself, I imagine. You know, I was actually going to ask you mental coaches that have helped you along the way, too, if there's anybody that jumps out to deal with this moment. But as Joe Blow, even though I've covered the league for 20 years, I still have trouble imagining what it would be like to take that ice for the first time. And, how you compartmentalize all those different emotions and go out there and just perform like you know you can. What's that like? Uh, <laughs> difficult. Um, the, the first, Gotta first be. was interesting, yeah. I remember when, he, when they first told me I was going to play, when uh, uh, Kiefer came up to me and told me. Um, that was a really cool moment. Like, that was a really special moment just – you know, you work your whole t- life towards, towards something or, um, and, and just knowing that I was going to be able to play and that I was going to get that experience was, uh, was pretty cool. That, so that moment was, was actually very special for me. Um, and then how much, it, not- how much notice was that day before? Oh, no, it was a few days before, which Ooh, was kind of hard. Uh, cause then I'm sitting there thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I think just accepting that I was, I was going to be nervous beyond belief and i've had a few games like that over my career that i knew i was just going to be insanely nervous for and you know i think trying to best way to handle that i think is just embrace it like pretty cool um it's like i i think a funny like, analogy is like it's the same feeling you get when you're like getting ready to go on a roller coaster and you pay to go to amusement park and get that feeling on a roller coaster and so many people try to like push that feeling of nerve or you know, worry and stuff aside, but it's like, just means something awesome is coming. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that game was actually pretty tough because there was a lot of, yeah, just a lot, a ton of nerves. And even if you want to embrace it all, it's, it's still difficult to, to get to a spot where you're just out there, you know, playing hockey. Um, I think actually the second game I played, I felt much, much more like myself. Um, and the, the ones after that as well. I think the first one was almost a hunt to get over to, to show myself that I could play there. 
Um, and then the next one, you're just you you do you feel like more of a routine game preparation without all the extra thoughts? By that, yeah. I mean, you you pitched yeah. a shutout in the next one against the Islanders, so not 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 a shabby performance at all. You just just feel like you go back to being you know game day routine as opposed to oh my god, this is my first. Yeah, yeah, it felt more like that. Is it's uh, obviously it's a really cool moment and very special, and you know all the all the games were were awesome. Um, it uh, it was just nice to have it feel more like a just another game um yeah i think i think that's where i really felt uh started to really feel good um yeah any 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 preparation tips as much as like the nerves are going to be there no matter what was there anything any old lessons you learned from skills mental skills coaches along the ways that sort of helped Mm -hmm. you whether it was in that first game or through those first four starts just sort of what are some of your anchors mentally, whether it's within a game or preparing for, like I said, your first game's different, but the next ones that sort of allow you to sort of settle into that moment. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I realized in, in my first game is that uh, as big as you can make the moment, it's just a hockey game. <laughs> and um, it's just an, and it, it doesn't really feel that much different. It just feels like you're playing a hockey game, which is, I think the beauty of it. Um and that's kind of what I let myself come to. I think, you know, after that first game more is just, just another hockey game. Just go out and enjoy it. Whatever happens um, playing in the national hockey. League. If I get shelled for 10, like I'm playing in the NHL, it's pretty cool. Um, I would say, I think my preparation and stuff, I mean, I try to keep it consistent regardless, like um, even for practice and stuff I've actually developed this year. I've been, pretty good about that is having the same routine for practice and games and i think that uh you know just gets you in a good headspace that you know you're preparing the exact same way regardless of what you're doing it's a morning skate it's a game i I feel good about you know where i'm at when i'm getting on the ice um i think that's a big thing about consistency when everyone talks about consistency and you want to play consistent well like you can't just wake up and say okay i want to be consistent like I i think you have to you know, develop some consistency that you can control to hopefully, you know, then it shows up in something you ultimately don't really have control of. And by doing it the same way, practice the games, you're no longer making the games bigger or different. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, honestly, it's just better. Like it's just more, you just get to enjoy it. Um, it's just kind of, I've talked about uh, with John Elkin, he calls it your sanctuary and just going out and just enjoying being like not many things in life that get you more present than, than that, at, at least I've found. So just trying to enjoy you know, every second of it, regardless of, and it's hard uh, when you make mistakes and obviously that, that stuff all, all creeps back in, but you know, as, as much as you can try and have some perspective and regardless of what's happening, just, you know, focus on what you can. And um, I think that's probably the biggest thing in, in games for me is that I've, I've found, especially over the past year is, you know, constantly, I do a lot of work, um, mind and breathing and meditation stuff. So I've almost kind of brought that to the ice and it it just feels like I'm out there meditating in a way. And that's the easiest thing for me is just when I feel myself start to, you know, go somewhere else is just try to return to, you know, something to get me back rooted in, in the moment. Oh, see here as I like, I've taken way too much of your time already. I'm looking at the clock and I can't believe it. And then you bring up something that I want another thread I want to pull on. Maybe we'll save that for when you come to town. Um, yeah. Cause I do like, you know, the one lesson I remember 
was everybody loses focus. There's no point pretending trying to focus for every second of every minute. It's the ability to recognize when it drifts and having a mechanism to bring it back. It sounds like sounds like yeah. you've 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 had that lesson too. And I, it's fun. I think the funny thing about focus is that like people are always trying to focus, but you don't need like if you're trying to focus, you're not focusing. Like we all know how to focus. <laughs> you know how to focus. You do it all the time. But as soon as you start to think about like trying to do it or I want to be focused, well, you're not focused because you're thinking about it like focus, focusing on focusing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's not focusing. (laughs) So I think that's, uh, that's where a lot of the mental work comes in because I would say more than anything, that's been the the biggest growth in my game, um, by far, uh, you know, I think the technical stuff is, is very important, but, you know, as we've talked about, like everyone ultimately has their own different technique and their own unique way of playing. Um, I found that that has definitely been by far uh, the biggest thing that I've, I've kind of started down a path towards. Um, and I think that's a testament to all the people in this organization and how much importance they put on that stuff um, where it's not, it's not all physical. You're not just going on the ice and playing hockey. Like it's, it's about, they have people to, to help you being, you know, in life and people, you know, more so than just a, a hockey player. And, um, I'd say that's, that's definitely the biggest growth I've had. I love it. I love it. Uh, listen, um, can't wait to catch up with you in the national hockey league when you come through town, uh, as, as you said, you and you and you and Jake, you and Otter, uh, maybe in the American Hockey League, if you're still there when you get here, uh, I've really enjoyed this. I know our audience is going to enjoy this as well. Joseph, thank you so much for all your time today. This was uh, an awesome interview. Like I said, fe- felt like we wanted to get to know Joseph Wall. And man, do I feel like we know you as a goaltender and a little bit as a person. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share that with us. Yeah, well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on and look to do it again sometime. Cool. Like there's, there's a couple of Jeremy Swayman. I think back to your conversation with Jeremy and that's a guy that I didn't know a lot about personally was fascinated and started following him. And then all of a sudden he blew up and became this guy in Boston. And I, I I think that same way about Joseph wall is now I'm, I can't get enough about where he is, what starts he's getting. Like, I uh, love his journey, uh, wins his first three starts, has a shutout in there and talks about uh, the nervousness. Like everything about him uh, is, is relatable. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I kind of had always followed because in part our jobs to follow, you know, so but, but yeah. loose, loosely a little bit. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm going to have a much closer eye and just there's a connection there. I, I think if you listen to that interview, you're automatically a Joseph Wool fan. Like you can't yes. help, but you're, you're waiting to see when he gets his next start and that next opportunity. And um, you're, you're rooting for him on, on some level. So like I said, uh, he was gracious enough after that long interview to also do some pro reads with us. Uh, look for the first of many from him uh, up at Ingle Mag uh, early this week. And a lot of new content up at ingolmag.com. Uh, over the past week, we've we're we're just really back into our stride as we're getting a little more access to some of these guys. Um, 
Pro Reads last week was with Cam Talbot coming off his first appearance in the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, we had another uh, mindset article from Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, about thinking big and, and sort of taking that mentality onto the ice. Um, we had pro drills and tips with Vili Husso, who's like the hottest goalie in the NHL right now. We look at ClearSight Analytics adjusted stats. He's number one in saved, goal saved, or sorry, save percentage differential. And despite playing half the games of other guys, he's in the top five in goal saved. Uh, so how he does his warm up with the Blues on a game day, very uh, pretty unique way that David Alexander walks through sort of the warm ups rather than just sitting there on his knees, static shooting. It starts one of the drills starts from a face off dot. Um, so just a little more game like and allows the goalie to get his feet moving as well as his hands moving, as opposed to a lot of static shooting where you can really sort of get your feet locked into the ice a little bit and you're sort of in your safe stance. Whereas as a goalie, we're not locked into that position very often. So I love David's approach to the warm up with Billy. Uh, some great tips in there, videos of all of it, and some guidelines and, and sort of tips that can be applied not just in a game day situation, but to drills when as goalie coaches are building drills at, at any level. Uh, in any situation, pre-practice, post-practice, during practice, a lot of great tips in there. Of course, the Panda Post Lock. Folks, I will say this about the Panda Post Lock. For the goalie coaches out there that just looked at the social media tees and saw saw maybe not the best freeze frame we used because the goalie was in more of a traditional overlap. He hadn't sort of cheated to the middle or purposely gone uh, flat along his goal line, turned up ice a little bit. Like it's not just an overlap. If it was just an overlap, we would have just called it an overlap. There is a unique element and a very specific element. And there's a reason we call it the Panda Post Lock. The reason the Flames called it the Panda Post Lock. So try and make your way past the visuals of the social media thing and actually read the article before ripping on it is nothing new. Because as I said, I've got a former NHL goaltender now teaching it uh, to his students and it's new to him. So it is. there is something new there, folks. We wouldn't post it otherwise. Uh, and then last, but certainly not least, a new series of pro drills. First of a three-step progression on hand-in support featuring, speaking of hottest goalies in the league, Thatcher Demko with Ian Clark walking through drills designed to make sure that when we move on pucks in tight, uh, we maintain our seal, but also build our vertical coverage in sort of the proper order and with the proper priorities. Uh, hand-in support, whether it's blocker side or glove side, how you position it makes a difference. Right back to... Part three of the series, we're not there yet, but wait till we get to part three. It's desperation, and they actually, like, flat on your belly, down and out, guy winding up into an open net, and they practice this here in Vancouver, and there are specific ways to give yourself better leverage and better access with your gloves to those pucks that we'll get to in part three. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled at ingolmag.com for part two this week and part three next week. That's funny. John Shannon, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, now an announcer for um, a bunch of uh, different outlets, uh, he, he's got a great phrase uh, when we talk about we're going to do something. He says, okay, I'll go practice my ad-libs. I'll work on, I'll, I'll prepare my ad-libs, uh, which is obviously making fun of, of what we do. But that's, that sounds like what, what they're doing in Vancouver, practicing their ad-libs. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> There are situations where you got to go outside the technical box, but there are also situations in desperation scrambles where certain little parts of technique like can help you give you a better chance. Like 
because we're the game's not perfect. We're going to end up in strange positions and down and out at times. That's just the way it is. Why would we not practice those moments a little bit? And in doing so, in practicing them, find ways to get better at them. There are times when desperation is just desperation, but there are times when we're a desperate moment where, you know, and I'll give some hints as to how this works. The way we angle our leg or bend our, you know, a part of our leg or the way where we plant one of our elbows totally changes our ability to make a desperate save. And if we haven't gone through the motions and practiced and realized, hey, this is the best way to get to free up this hand or to allow me to reach further with the hand that is my only chance of making this desperate save, how are you going to find that in the moment? So um, some firm guidelines and tips that will help you make more of those. So when will that be up? That one's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm teasing that one. That's a couple weeks out because we got part two okay. first. Like all, all right. good and progressions, you got to build the skill in order. So part one is up now, part two next week, and part three where we'll, we'll get laid out on our bellies is a couple weeks away. And the idea of learning how to read the game, how, how do you get better at that? Well, you watch the pro rates. Uh, that's, that is the, the best way to improve your skill uh, unless you have access to a professional goalie coach uh, and you're working with them uh, nonstop. But, but leaning on, like Joseph Wall talks about uh, borrowing things from other people. This is the, the coolest thing that you can do to learn how to read the game. Yeah, and I, w- I mean, and even the guys that do have access to the goalie coaches that are watching their own video and, and breaking through, like, how did we do this and what are we looking for and doing that level of breakdown, even as you said, even those guys are telling us that they can learn by hearing how other guys do it. So um, it's, it's one of our most popular features. It's one, if you're a goalie, a goalie coach, a uh, goalie parent even, you can, you can learn from. Every week, a new pro read featuring a goaltender uh, from the NHL or American Hockey League walking through NHL footage of them sharing how they approach a sequence, why they use a certain save selection in that situation, and what some of the triggers and keys are they're looking for that allow them to make the right decision. And it's uh, always up every week at ingoalmag.com. Make sure you check it out. Fascinating. Uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. And of course, the feature interview uh, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. For David Hutchison, Kevin Woodley, thanks for listening on behalf of Cam and Joseph Wall. Uh, good goaltending as you continue this journey in our great, fascinating sport. <laughs>